Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikbat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvatisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. So, this year, 5779, we have read through and I have preached through the entire Besora of John. My prayer and hope is that it has been as edifying for you as it was for me in preparing and delivering these sermons. Have you enjoyed uh, hearing and, and reading through John? It's cool. It's a cool book, right? So uh, now last week, uh, we learned how to garden. And today, it's my last sermon on the Gospel of John. We've come to the last chapter, and today, we're going to learn how to fish. So I'd like us to consult an expert in fishing. So let's turn our attention to this video, and we have an expert that can share with us um, uh, some tips on how to fish. Oh, you see, I call them. I have this special fish call, and they come right into the boat. Oh, they do? Mm -hmm. You call them? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He calls them. (laughs) That's rich. This I got to see. Go ahead. Sure. Call well, them. You see, Bert, I have to call them really loud, though, so yeah. they can hear. Yeah. You know, the fish are under the water. Sure. And so you have to call real loud so they can hear you through the water. You sure, know? sure. Okay. Go ahead. I call them like this. <laughs> fishy, fishy, fishy. One, one fish? Wow. Mm-hmm. I think I'll call a few more. Fishy, fishy, fishy. Two fish? Shall I call a few more, Bert? Yeah, yeah, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah. Well, just like this. Fishy, fishy, fishy. Three fish? Four fish? Five fish? Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, terrific. Uh, let me try, okay? Sure. How do I do it? Uh, just just make sure you call real loud, just, Bert. Okay, just real loud. Got mm-hmm. it. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> fishy, 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 fishy. No, Bert. That, that's not loud enough. You're calling very quiet. Oh, okay. Yeah, fishy, 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 fishy! Mm-mm. Still too quiet. Too quiet. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go now. Yeah, fishy, 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 fishy! Well, that's not loud enough, Bert. <sighs> okay. Yeah, fishy, 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 fishy! <sighs> oh, it doesn't work for me. I've been trying to call and call and they just don't come up. Well, that's the way, Bert. See, you got it now. You're yelling real loud. So you have to yell just like you're yelling right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, fishy, 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 fishy. You cold? <laughs> That's one for you, Bert. All right. Well, I hope you learned something there. Yeah. You see, it's just that easy. I don't know if you noticed uh, at the beginning of the clip, we, we didn't see the very beginning, but Bert, the reason that they're having this conversation is that Bert is having a hard time catching the fish. You see his little pole there, 
right? So that's why Ernie is giving him this advice. So uh, I'm sure you're wondering what this has to do with the gospel. And uh, so uh, we're here in the last chapter of John 21, and the resurrected Messiah also has some advice for catching little fishies. So uh, would you like to take a look at it? All right. After these things, Yeshua revealed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Now here's how he appeared to Simon Peter. Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in the Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two of the other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, what do you say? I'm going fishing. We're coming with you too, they said. So they went out and got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing, just like Bert. At dawn, Yeshua stood on the beach, but the disciples didn't know that it was Yeshua. So Yeshua said to them, boys, you don't happen to have any fish, do you? (sighs) No, they answered him. He said to them, call out, fishy, fishy, fishy. No, he didn't say that. He said, throw the net off to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they threw the net, and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Yeshua loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around himself, for he was stripped down for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, in, in the boat from about 200 cubits offshore, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got onto the land, they saw a charcoal fire with fish placed on it and bread. Yeshua said to them, bring some of the fish you've, ju- you've caught. Simon Peter went ab- aboard and hauled the net to shore, and there were 153 fish, many of them big, but the net was not broken. Yeshua said to them, come, have breakfast. Yummy, yummy. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing it was the Lord. Yeshua comes and takes the bread and gives it to them, and likewise the fish. Now this was the third time that Yeshua was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The last chapter of the Gospel of John. What do we have? We have a fishing trip, and we have breakfast. Why? Why not a, a, a rousing speech or, or a really spectacular miracle? Remember, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Why couldn't he do something like that here at the end? What is going on? They have seen the risen Messiah. Last week, remember, he breathed on them the breath of life, the, the Ruach HaKodesh, and he commissioned them to bring forgiveness And he said, as the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. And what do they do? They go back to their jobs. Fishing was the livelihood of these students of Yeshua. Now, scholars are divided on this, whether they think it was a good idea, whether they were supposed to go fishing or not. How many think they were supposed to go fishing, that this was a good idea? No, nobody? All right, how many think it was a bad idea? They should have been out doing something else. Okay, most of you didn't vote. You're undecided, you're Switzerland, I understand. That's okay. Were they really supposed to be doing this? Well, I mean, wasn't there something more spiritual they could have been doing? 
right? But I'm in the camp, I'm of the opinion that they were perfectly fine going fishing in this moment, and I think you'll see why. But either way, we can see that they're like Bert here, right? They're failing at catching the fish. They're not having any success in their vocation, in their job, until they follow the risen Messiah's very practical counsel. Why don't you try the other side of the boat? In most contexts, fishermen typically do not like this sort of questioning and and suggestions that Yeshua offers. And they didn't realize it was him right away, so it's just some stranger giving them advice. And and I, I assume that they kind of bristled at these questions. And this is what happens when pride rules our life, even at work, right? It's our, our, our work life being directed by self. And we don't like to be told that we're doing it wrong either, even if we're unsuccessful, because we can see we're doing it wrong, and so we don't need any counsel because we're just fine on our own, right? Eh, I don't know. And so uh, here's the question. You don't happen to have any fish, do you? You caught anything? How's it going out there? No fisherman likes to hear this question, right? Well, not so good. Well, why don't you try the other side of the boat? Oh, great. A suggestion on how to do my job that I'm already not doing well at, right? Have you ever asked the Lord this question? It's humbling, right? Lord, do you really want to be involved in my work? Do you have suggestions and wisdom for me about how I go about my everyday things? This is an invitation. It implies that we're letting God lead, and that requires humility. Lord, do you really want to have breakfast with me, to fellowship with me? Do you care about the small, tiny things that I'm worried about? Maybe this is one of the Lord's love languages. You know, in some cultures, including my wife's family, this is how they express love, by giving advice and counsel, whether you ask for it or not. How many of you had a family like that, where they, that's their, their love language? Okay, so maybe that's the same for the Lord. You know, this story of the fish, it's not especially spiritual exchange, is it? This is Yeshua entering their world. These simple fishermen in their everyday job, Yeshua wants to be a part of that. And then what do they do? They have breakfast. Yeshua wants to be a part of your complete breakfast. Yeah, he wants to be a part of that too. In the Gospel of John, we have learned that Yeshua is the source of life. And here in the last chapter, we see that that means all aspects of our lives. Most of our life is not a mountaintop experience, right, with the Lord. Most of it is what? Catching fish and having breakfast. And I think John deliberately put this at the end of his gospel to show us what kind of Lord Yeshua is. But this shouldn't really surprise us. He's a king that rides a donkey. He's a king that shepherds, a king that gardens, a king that washes stinky feet, 
A king that wants to have breakfast with you. A king that has advice for you on how to do your daily chores. So, earlier this week, I went to Carytown to do some errands, and I uh, made some ministry phone calls, and uh, was being pretty productive, and uh, walking around, and I walked around a lot after I parked, you know, to different side streets and Carytown itself, and uh, I had a 1.30 phone appointment with a very good friend of mine, and I'm walking around, I'm walking around, and I finished the, the errands, and guess what? I can't find my car. I guess I was walking around a lot because I got confused as to whether I parked on a side street or, you see, Bonnie's already laughing at me. I couldn't, couldn't remember where I parked. And I'm walking around and I'm getting sweatier and hungrier and no car. And I'm starting to pray in my prayer language. You know, I pray in tongues sometimes. And, uh, and I'm getting upset and hungry and hot and, uh, and frustrated because, you know, how could I not remember, right? Do not, Bonnie, please. <laughs> this is a sacred space here, all right? I'm, sh- I'm being vulnerable with you guys. I'm trusting you. All right, so please don't judge me. Anyway, um, so I, I, I call my wife. You know, she's at work, so she can't, she can't pick up. No answer. And uh, I'm checking my history on Google Maps now. I'm trying to figure out, okay, you know, because they, you know, it has a history of where you were. So I'm like, what, what street is that? And I'm going there. I'm talking to... Um, there's some guys that are hanging out on the corner. I'm like, did you see a car here? Maybe my car was towed. I'm thinking, like, do I have to call the police a non-emergency number? And uh, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, finally, I'm like, okay, let me just get something to eat, and, uh, and I'll feel better. So I go into Jimmy John's, and uh, I get something to eat, and I'm starting to calm down a bit. And I go in there, and I cool off, and I have a sandwich, and... Uh, and I'm, I'm still praying, and I'm still looking at Google Maps, and I start to feel a little bit better. It's like, a, um, let's say, a, a mini trust is, is, is a little tiny piece of trust. Trusting the Lord is, is growing in my heart. And, uh, and then my friend calls at 1.30, and he asks how I'm doing. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't even know if I should pick up. I was like, well, this is, I put this appointment so, and I, and I said, well, to be honest, I'm, you know, I'm pretty okay, but, you know, and he's like, well, oh, well, what's going on? And I share, <laughs> I share with him, I was like, I've been walking around for a long time, I can't find my car, and uh, I got really hungry, and, and so I tell him the whole story, and he prays for me. And, uh, and then we're, you know, we're talking, and I'm a little bit more encouraged. And my mini trust goes up to a medium trust, Right and and shalom, it's right here in my in my gut, and uh, then after a while talking to him, I just sense sense a nudge from the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I walk out of Jimmy John's. I'm still on the phone, and just very calm at this point. I walk down a street, and then I turn down another street, and there is my car. And I said, I think I see it. And he's like, Well, make sure, go over and make sure so we can rejoice together on the phone, because he really wanted, so I was like, yes, it's my car, and, and we were both like, Baruch Hashem, and uh, it, was, it was really great, so uh, uh, we were uh, praising God together, and uh, I was very thankful. Now, <clears throat> I almost didn't want to share this story for two reasons. One 
It makes me seem like a forgetful person who gets wrapped up in conversations and other things and forgets where he parks. This is very seldom that this happens, okay, Bonnie? So, yeah, just uh, cut me some slack here. The other reason uh, I didn't, I was reluctant to share is because it's not really a spectacular story, right, of God's deliverance. It's not a great miracle, um, but I think that is precisely the point. We can trust God with the big things, and we can trust him with the small things. He wants to be Lord over our hearts and dreams and our deepest struggles, and he wants to be Lord with us at breakfast. He wants to be Lord with us uh, in our daily worries. In other words, we have learned from John that Yeshua is the Lord of life, and that means not just eternal life, but daily life. The whole book of John that we've read through this year, we have seen how Yeshua is central to life itself. The gospel of John proclaims that Yeshua is the voice, the word that created life in the beginning of time. Remember, he is the bread of life from heaven. His body is the bread of life and his blood is the wine He is the water of life, springing a well of eternal life within our soul. He is the way and the truth and the life. By trusting in him, we have eternal life. He is the light of life and the life of humankind. He is the giver of life. He is the fulfillment of the Hebrew scriptures in which the Jewish people were searching for eternal life, and they found it in him. He is the shepherd who gives his life, exchanges his life for our lives, his sheep. He is the resurrection and the life. And the purpose of the entire gospel is from last week's New Covenant portion in John 20, and it puts it like this. But these are written, this gospel is written, so that you may believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Life in his name. From John's gospel, we start to be able to image Yeshua as the fullness of all aspects of life, eternal life with God forever, resurrection life, the fullness of life right now, the source of of living, the essence of what it means to be alive is found in Yeshua. The purpose of and direction and power to have a meaningful and spirit-empowered life in all experience, both miraculous encounters with God and ordinary chores of life with the fullness of God's presence, love, and life-giving ruach. There is a place where life and living water and the ruach and all the little fishies of creation meet together in the Hebrew Scriptures before they are fulfilled in the person of Yeshua. For this, we're going to have to stop by our old friend, Ezekiel. You remember him? Ezekiel was a prophet during the time of exile. So the temple was destroyed, but he had a vision of a future temple of God, which many scholars believe is symbolic. So some people say this is going to be a real third temple, and some people say it's a symbol. Um, 
I, I tend to think it's, uh, it's symbolic. For one thing, the measurements he gives, uh, he gives measurements for this, this temple he's going around, and, uh, and uh, the uh, angel of the Lord is directing him. There's only two dimensions. So there's uh, length and width, but width, but there's no height, right? And there's no roof. There's no plans for a roof. So if this was a real structure, it would be impossible to build, right? Can, can you imagine having a holy sanctuary with birds flying in and, you know, interrupting your, your sacrifices and the rain and the hail getting on you? Yeah, that's no good, right? So um, also all of the, uh, the measurements that are given in Ezekiel, they're, they're symbolic because they're all m- multiples of 50. And uh, Dr. Michael Heiser is uh, one biblical scholar. He thinks that that's a reference to the year of Jubilee, right? What happens during Jubilee? It's every 50 years, right? And it's a kind of a reset or new life, right? A rebirth for the land itself, okay? So all these things are combining in Ezekiel's vision. And this is from chapter 47. And I love the title heading from the Tree of Life version. It says, um, the, the title for this section is called the river of life. Then he brought me back to the door of the house. Behold, water was flowing out from under the threshold of the house eastward, for the front of the house faced east. The water was flowing down from under the right side of the house, house south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around outside by the way of the outer gate, the way of the gate looking east. Behold, water was trickling out from the right side. What is this water? It's the water of life flowing from the temple. Right now, it's just a trickle. When the man went outside, went out eastward with the line in his hand, he measured a 1,000 cubits. Then he led me into the water, water to the ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and led me into the water, water to the knees. Again, he measured a 1,000 and led me into the water, water up to the waist. Again, he measured a 1,000, and now it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen, water to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? Then he brought me back to the bank of the river. When I had returned, behold, there were many trees on one side and on the other along the bank of the river. Then he said to me, these waters go out toward the eastern region. They go down to the Arabah and enter the sea. When they arrive at the sea, the waters of the sea will flow and become fresh. Why is that? Because this is the Dead Sea. This is the Salt Sea. He's saying it's going to become fresh. It will be that every living creature that swarms will live wherever the waters go. There will be a great multitude of what? Fish. Because this water goes there and makes the salt water fresh. So everything will be healed and live wherever the river goes. Fishermen will stand by it. Fishermen. From Ain Gedi to Ain Eglaim, it will be a place for the spreading of what? Nets. Their fish will be of many different kinds, like the fish of the great sea, a huge quantity. Its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be set aside for salt. On the river, on its bank, on this side, on that side, will grow every kind of tree for food. Its leaf will not wither. Its fruit will not fail. It will bear new fruit every month. Because its water flows out from where? From the sanctuary, from the temple. Its fruit will be for food and its leaf will be for healing. 
If you were to say that this entire vision, this, the fresh water of life flowing out from the temple, if you were to say that this vision was fulfilled in a person, who would that be? Yeah. I think Ezekiel would have loved to have seen, to have seen Yeshua fulfill these things in his ministry in the Gospel of John. Yeshua often references the temple. Remember, we read through this, right? He says it's fulfilled by his own body, that he is the, the end times temple. It's, it's in him, in his body. And I believe he sees himself, Yeshua, as the future temple of Ezekiel. He's the, he thinks that he is the fulfillment of this vision. Out of the new end times symbolic temple, what do we see? We see a renewed creation. Those fish in the sea, where are they from? They're from the creation story. They're brought back to life again in the Dead Sea. It's currently called so, right? Because it's so salty, there's no life in there at all right now. But on that day, it's going to be teeming with what? With little fishies, yeah. Fish of all species, such that the fishermen cannot even hold all of those fish. It's going to be full of life. In other words, he wants to gather his children to him, all the nations, all the little fishies. And he wants us to be fishermen because we are fishers of humans. We've seen that in the other gospel accounts. The fish of all species in Ezekiel, this is all of creation, right? This is all nations and languages and tongues that are coming into the ingathering of God's people. So, maybe a full net of fish isn't so ordinary, after all, for the final sign of Yeshua in the Gospel of John. Maybe it points to the fullness of life and renewed creation. Perhaps these ordinary parts of our lives that we invite the Lord into, our meals, our chores, our jobs, These are the very things that he wants to fill with his presence to give us an extraordinary life in the loving presence of the almighty creator. Will you invite Yeshua, the son of God, and the promised Messiah of the scriptures into your life, into your daily life? By believing in him, we have life in his name. Amen. Let's pray.